All right, well, I hope to be fired today from leading worship or participating. <laughs> oh, it was great, man. It's a lot of fun to do that, but <clears throat> I am ready to be monofocused again. I appreciate uh, this team, man, just being able to work uh, with people that are easy to work with and man love God it's such a such a blessing I guess you guys know that right awesome day today man I'm excited about us uh, beginning a study I've been toying between Timothy and Titus and landed on Timothy this week so if you read Titus good uh, first second Timothy and in, in, uh, Titus are Considered Paul's pastoral epistles, they really, in a lot of ways, deal with the same kinds of stuff. Titus is, of course, Timothy and Titus are two different people. But some of the stuff that we're going to talk about, I don't know that we'll make it all the way through the three books, but we might. Um, but some of the stuff that we're talking about, going to begin to talk about, uh, the Timothy and Titus share in common. Uh, the, the major difference between Timothy and Titus and why I was kind of struggling between the two is because uh, Timothy was was uh, left in charge of the church at Ephesus, which was a strong church. Uh, A majority of that church was Gentile, so there was a lot of things that they needed to understand, but they also didn't have a lot of the baggage that the other other churches have uh, because they didn't have all of the Jewish laws and rules and regulations to try and deal with, like we have to deal with. We don't have to deal with the Jewish laws. We have to deal with our own form of that, right? Uh, but they, so they were a strong church and there were a lot of mature believers there. And Paul had been there and established a church and he had been there a while where the church at Crete, uh, where Titus was, is a new church. And so, uh, a young church, uh, a lot of new, new faces, new people, uh, new believers. And so, uh, that's the reason I wanted to go to Titus is because we are a new church, but the truth is we're not really a lot of new believers, there were not a lot of new, a uh, lot of new people. So, uh, some of this stuff will apply, and I'll, I'll jump back and forth to Titus if we don't end up there, uh, start going through that whole book. We'll we'll uh, share some of the content from there because uh, it has, uh, you know, just to see the, the perspective of a new church. Uh, so let's let's read uh, the intro, introduction, and then I'll also use that to kind of jump off and introduce what we're going to be doing. Uh, I feel like in the book of First, Second, First Timothy, for sure, maybe Second Timothy. All right, so in First Timothy chapter one, let's read the uh, Paul's greeting and uh, and just speak about that for just a minute. It says Paul, an apostle. This is verses one and two. Paul, an apostle of, Je- of Christ Jesus, by command of God our of our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. All right, so again, like I said, first of all, Timothy, the first Timothy is one of three pastoral letters, uh, including Second Timothy and Titus, that the aging Paul was writing uh, at, at, toward the close of his life. Uh, and so the reason why he's writing these letters, one of the reasons is because he wants this, his ministry to continue. And so he's, he's entrusting a lot of the, the work of the ministry and the way that that should be carried out uh, to some reliable young men who 
who he knows he's invested in, and he calls him his child. Titus is in the same way, was one of his children in the faith that he's made a huge investment in. And so he's finding some people that he trusts, and he's speaking to them specifically about the area where they are. Uh, and, and saying, look, uh, you know, as I'm aging, as, I'm, as my life is about to end, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to do this. So Paul's being strategic. He's thinking ahead and saying, I need to invest. I need to make some investments uh, in guys that I've already made enormous investments in, but some need to make some investments in a different way. I need to start helping you to help the church where you are. So Timothy was in every way Paul's uh, spiritual son. He was young, but he was gifted. And like I said, he had spent enough time with Paul that Paul trusted him and Paul knew some things about Timothy uh, would be true that might not be true about other people. So Timothy's in Ephesus and the things that that particular church needed, uh, Paul is going to address in this letter. Let me just give you a little precursor of what that's going to be. They needed proper, uh, they needed worship. They had issues with worship. They had issues with doctrinal correction. Uh, And and that church was... uh, was full, that, uh, that whole area was full of false teachers. People had taken just a small piece of the truth and began to teach false doctrine. So Paul's letter counseled, uh, is counseling Timothy on matters of church leadership, basically. Okay, things like, we're going to talk about these things, proper worship. Uh, second, qualifications for overseer or elders and deacons. Uh, advice on confronting false teaching, and then how to treat various individuals within the congregation. So those four things you're going to find in in First Timothy that Paul is addressing, helping this young uh, protege of his learn how to deal with these particular kinds of things. So this is some different stuff for for Timothy. Timothy's been able to see Paul, who calls himself in the in the opening of this letter an apostle of Christ, but called by God. It's by the command of God that Paul was an apostle. And he's saying to Timothy, uh, you have that same calling. He'll speak about that in just a minute. Timothy also had a calling uh, from God to be, uh, to, to be a pastor and to serve in that role. And so Paul is passing these things on to Timothy now, helping him to understand the, the practical aspects of ministry, how to deal with specific problems in the congregation that God's given him. That's what a pastor is. The word uh, is angelos, uh, which is, is our word for angel. Our messenger is, is interpreted as messenger in Scripture, but it's also interpreted uh, as pastor. Uh, so in, in Revelation, for instance, the letters to the churches were written to, by, from Jesus through John to the pastors of those churches. Dealing with what? Y'all remember? Specific problems in each one of those churches. If I were to ask you about each church, you can go and look at those, the problems that those churches had. There were specific problems. And so Paul is teaching him how to be a pastor, a pastor, a man who, who consults God, stays before God, asks God, what do I need to, to give to the body that you've given me? And Paul's giving him practical advice and help in that. Of course, it's also Scripture. So there's practical advice in there for us as well. So in, adi- in addition to, to uh, teaching, Paul uh, had already demonstrated a life that was beyond reproach and had given this incredible standard to, to Timothy. Uh, and so he had lived in front of him, and now he's, he's teaching him some specific things and how to handle them. I personally got, got a lot out of that as I started thinking about our church and the call of our body. Uh, we know that God's called us to be a sending church. 
Now, we're, we're at the process right now of, of just engaging the community over here at West on this side of Alexandria, but God has sent some, some incredible leaders. You guys are here by God's call uh, to be here, I hope. If you're not, then you, please pray through that, you know, and see, is this the place that God wants you? Uh, and we've talked about how we want to fill these seats with people from the community because uh, who, who are lost and wandering and not just reaching into the churches in the community and inviting people to come and be a part of this. This is not our call. Our call is to reach those who are lost, to show love to them and, and to bring them into this body, to show them Christ, uh, to let them experience Christ through, through our love and, and come to learn how to love others that way. And so that's, that's our goal. It's what we're doing. We'll talk a little bit more about mission in a minute. But I really connected with what Paul was saying. Now, I'm not an apostle. Okay, I don't, uh, you know, some people would claim that, that uh, uh, there are apostles today. I don't believe that personally, and most, most Bible scholars don't. Uh, I'm not, wouldn't consider myself a Bible scholar. I study the word diligently. But Bible scholars would also say that the apostles were those who had personal contact with Jesus. They were personally under, under Jesus. So the, the 12 disciples are 11 uh, and then Matthias added in there at the end, and, and then uh, Paul, who had his Damascus Road experience. Those are apostles. But I do share the pastoral side of Paul. And I think as Paul is handing over that ministry, he is not handing over to Timothy an apostleship. He's handing over a pastoral relationship with people. This is what it's like to be an elder and pastor, and these are the things that you need to do. But I do share that, and I... I've been working towards this. We as a church have been working towards this end of, of what does it look like to be a missional church? And I feel like one of the things that, that God's put in my heart is this same attitude or spirit of I need to be training up leaders. I need to be thinking about and helping you think about what does it mean to be a leader in this congregation? You know, uh, those of you that have been with us for, you know, the life of this body and are close to that, uh, you know, some of you, since we just moved into this building, um, you're beginning to feel that ownership, or you should be beginning to feel that ownership. And, and Paul's exhortation to Timothy is for you and for me to say, we need to start thinking about what's it going to be like for us to, to own this. I feel like my call, uh, and I'm, I'm dealing with this and, and struggling with timing and how to do this, but I feel like my call is for the rest of my ministry however long that might be, 25, 30 years, you know, I'd be really gray-headed working with people like Hal, so that'll be interesting because um, I don't think that's going to change. But, uh, but it's, to, it's to plant more churches. You know, I've, I've asked God to allow me to plant 20 churches personally before, before my ministry's over with. Now, that, that's a lot in 25 years. Doesn't mean I have to not be in one, or you know, I can make, maybe be in one or two at a time, but whatever God wants for that. But I'm already thinking that way. I'm planning that way. So I've begun to invest in young men who feel possibly a call to ministry, you know, called to, to, to be a, a Glenn Watley in a location, in a gathering place location. And so I felt that this past week as I was thinking through that. And I also was thinking also about leadership within the body, not just pastors, but leadership within the body and how all of us as members of the body need to be prepared to step up and own ministry here. And, you know, at, at times I feel like it's, it's um, you know, we're still kind of in temporary mode or in the old mode of when we come to church, it's about us. 
But instead, when we come to church, it being about reaching the people in this community, reaching the people around us, people in our workplace, and letting this be a place where, where we bring them to, to serve them and to, and to help them to learn to worship God and to know God. So we need to be thinking about that. Remember, God's called us to be a sending church, and so we've got to always be thinking about what's it look like when people pull out who are in leadership and go to plant another church. Also, not negating and, and please engaging your heart in this idea is maybe God will call and send you. We have some people in our church now that are prayerfully considering being sent uh, not only to another to start another location, but being sent out to another country or out to another state. Uh, and that's as hard as that is for me as a pastor. Man, that's what that's what I want. I, you know, that's what I believe the Lord's called us to do, to be that kind of a church. That's missional in our mindset. We're not thinking about sitting and absorbing. We're thinking about, God, how are we going to serve this community and how are we going to serve the, the next community uh, that you send some of us to? Now, you guys have, you know, for those of you who don't know, there's a core group of people, about uh, 45 adults and about 15 or so kids that God called to start this location. And we've already stepped out of a Pineville location to come here. But that's the feel of what Paul's saying here. Paul's saying, man, I need to start pouring into some people to help them understand how church happens. How do we handle the issues within the body so that uh, when Paul dies or he's gone, that those issues are continually being taken care of? So we need to be thinking that that way as well. So the Lord's been speaking, again, to me and to us, I think, about being a sending church, which what these are the kinds of things that it means. So as we're doing this study, just keep that in mind. I believe that's the purpose of this study for us. First of all, number one, the purpose of this study for all of us is self-evaluation. Okay, as we start this study, put yourself in Timothy's place. All right, put yourself in the, in the place of the people who are, who are in, the, in the church at Ephesus. Put yourself in their place and do some self-evaluation. Though some of what Timothy speaks about is going to be specifically for our leaders within the congregation, like elders and deacons. We're going to talk about that. And, and on the heels of this, I believe the Lord is going to, to, to uh, lead us to call some more elders and to start a ministry of deacons. Uh, we've never had deacons in the eight years we've been in existence. It's in our Constitution and bylaws to have those. Uh, but we need to be prayerfully considering uh, that. But, you know, we're, first of all, self-evaluation. All of the qualifications for elders and deacons are not isolated qualifications that only elders and deacons should have. All of the qualifications for elders and deacons are qualifications of every believer. Every believer, ultimately, my, my, love, my hope for this body is that every one of us in this body will, when we go through this study on, on, on the characteristics of elders, that all of you will say, this is who I need to be. Not, oh, okay, well, that's to, we'll designate that for the few that might, the one or the two that, that might be called out and designated and aspire to the position of elder. No, self-evaluation first. Everybody, we all need to be thinking about who are we, where are we in, in this consideration of uh, leadership, whatever, whatever level that is. And then, then the second thing, of course, is, is, is a consideration for elders. And to be thinking about who in the body exemplifies 
these characteristics? Who who in the body do we see as leaders? And and uh, you know, as we pray as elders, we've been praying and, and talking about and considering and have named some people and are praying about specific names of men in the body uh, to consider in the in our next as as elders to help us with this ministry. But we need that, and, and we need some of some of you who are not going to be elders in this in this next level of elders to be praying and considering and growing towards uh, eldership. And so all, how, how, do we, how do we do that? How do we grow towards eldership? Well, you love God. You pursue God. Uh, you, you commit to that, to spending time with God, to hearing from God, to obeying God, to, seeing, to coming to know God by experience and learning how to, how to communicate God to other people. And so be thinking about that. As we go through, that's our two kind of goals as we go through this, is self-evaluation and then also consideration for elders. So that's Paul talking to Timothy. Paul is doing this, and in the same way, uh, just as, as a way of, of introduction, uh, we would, I'm, doing, I'm trying to do the same thing that Paul was doing in this letter. Is here's the introduction. We are ascending church. We are moving forward. We need you to step up. We need you to hear God's voice and, lead, and be the leader and be committed uh, to the things that you've had such a hard time committing to. Step up and be those leaders. All right, and then verse 3, he says this. Now he's getting more specific. He says, as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than stewardship from God that is by faith. All right, so the first thing he says to Timothy is remain at Ephesus. And he had already told him that, he says earlier, but he's telling him again, come on, Timothy, remain at Ephesus. Now, why would he say that? I think, and this is speculation, but I think, uh, first of all, he tells Timothy this because Timothy was the supervising elder that Paul left in, in charge. Again, he wasn't an apostle, but he was the supervising elder, the pastoral, uh, well, pastoral is really, it's kind of a, uh, saying the same thing twice, but that's what ended up what we called me. Uh, but he was the pastor of vision in, in, the, uh, in, in preaching for that church. He was God's messenger for the, for the body. And so as a supervising elder, God, uh, Paul is saying, I urge you as supervising elder to stay. Don't, don't pull out. And I think Timothy needed to be persuaded because he, was pro- he probably enjoyed traveling with the Apostle Paul so much. You know, he, he enjoyed being with Paul and watching and, and being a part of Paul's ministry. Why? Because what do you have to do when you're a part of Paul's ministry? Watch. <laughs> I mean, God was, Paul was so anointed of God and so full of the Spirit that, it, that even Paul's shadow was, you know, people were being healed when his shadow would go across him. You don't have to do anything when you're, when you're hanging out with Paul. You just walk with him, right? And you, and, and you meet with him. You know, you hang out with him and you watch him do life and, it was funny when, when uh, how and how how was considering whether God's calling him into ministry full time or not, but uh, you know in 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 our so we've been spending time together a lot of time together and I watched how and one day he said when we're we gonna start the internship thing because we talked about doing an internship I said bro you right in the middle of it <laughs> as we were drinking coffee you know at Hidden Grounds or eating a donut at, or eating a biscuit at Chick Fil A or something we were eating somewhere or, or drinking something somewhere. Yeah, yeah, that's called that's called mentorship. <laughs> uh, you know, so it, it's 
you know, Paul, Paul had begun this with, with Timothy. Paul was, was, was spending time with Timothy, moving in his life. And so Timothy needed to be persuaded to step out on his own. You know, you don't get to hang out at Chick-fil-A with me anymore. You don't get to, to come to Hidden Grounds and be here. You need to go be yourself, be your own. You know, you don't ask me anymore what you need to do in the context of your church. You just hold on to what I've already taught you, and you, and you start doing your thing, okay? And so for, uh, for a lot of us, that's, that's hard. It was hard for us to, to leave the gathering place, Tioga, and, and come to an to, uh, office building in, in Alexandria. And to, you know, it wasn't long before we, we were very happy there and enjoyed it. And then it was hard to leave there and come here. And now it's going to be hard for us to step up to leadership. You know, it's uncomfortable to change. But as we've already talked about in the example of Christ, we need to empty ourselves, man. We need to release comfortable community. And we need to start embracing the things that God's called us to be and to do. And so it, it, take Timothy's example and, and, and take this, this encouragement from me as Paul was encouraging Timothy. Stay. Stay in the ministry that God calls you to, to be a part of. Don't, don't consider walking away and, or hanging out uh, with me if, I, if I'm called to go away. You consider staying, asking God, is this the place for me? And pursuing the things that God has for us here. Uh, another thing I think for Paul is it's just difficult to make a transition in leadership. Uh, it's difficult. It's difficult for, it's going to be hard for you guys uh, who are here at West and investing and, and leading and, and growing. Uh, it, no matter how good or bad of a leader I am, it's going to be hard just to transition, just to have a different leader in front of you and, and, to, and to follow completely as the Lord is speaking through them. Uh, you know, that's, that's why we did what we did when we left Tioga, is we didn't hold on to, okay, I'm still the leader over here, but y'all just do what I tell you, and you kind of stand in front of the church and preach and be, you know, kind of a uh, me. No. You follow certain teachings the same, but you take the leadership. You ask God, and you as a church, you know, follow your new leader. Put yourself under that leader and, and ask God how, how to be a part of that body. So that was hard for, for uh, Timothy to change that, to become the leader and to release that. And so Paul was asking him to remain, to remain at the church, to build the church, and, uh, and to help that church to stand and to take ownership of that local body that, that God had called him to be a part of. So he says, remain at Ephesus. Then he says that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. Now, the heresy at Ephesus was a mixture of elements of Judaism, which is, is the, Jewish, you know, the Jewish law, Jewish faith, that uh, some, of, some of the people at Ephesus who were Jews were trying to continue to press that on those who had believed in Jesus. Yeah, but you still got to follow all the laws. Uh, it's okay if you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but don't forget to follow all the laws. And then there were some that were saying it's Jesus and the law. And then there are also the Gnostics who claim to have this, ex- this exclusive, special kind of knowledge. And then there's Christianity. So you had this mixture of those. And, and so false teachers were teaching a, this, this weird mix of all of that. And someone needed to be the keeper of sound doctrine within that body. 
And so Paul is giving Timothy the exhortation to be that, that leader, to step forward and to, to hold on to the teachings that Paul had taught. And he trusted that, that, that uh, Timothy had this understanding deep, deeply ingrained, not only in his mind, but also in his heart and in his practice, that he understood uh, completely what it meant uh, to, to believe in God and to be a, a, a believer walking in the Spirit because he had seen it in Paul and embraced all that Paul taught. And so the same thing is true for us. You know, we need to, we need to have a, an understanding of what our beliefs are. We've been placed, you've been placed, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit in this body. And we have, as elders, have diligently, with the help of Talitha, our director of omissions, we have diligently protect, protected those aspects of teaching that God has given us as a church. Now, there, are, there are different aspects, different focuses. Our doctrine is really not that much different from pre- pretty much any other uh, Protestant church for sure, but even churches that are not Protestants that are Christian we still don't differ that much from what we believe. The core doctrines, we believe the same. So he's not just talking about core doctrines. He's talking about those specific things that God has spoken for that particular body. That's where Paul has been serving in that role, and he's saying to Timothy, I need you to step up. I need you to ask God. I need you to continue to pursue God and, and, and lead this body as God leads you. That's the example from the beginning of, of Scripture to the end of Scripture. Leaders are leaders who connect with God, hear what God says, gives that voice to the people, and the people have an opportunity also to move together as a body. So God has that. He has that for this community. That's why we're, we're not any better than anybody else, but we are different. There are teachings that God has given us to hold on to that we are passing on and we can continue to pass on to all gathering places, churches, and so there were obviously considerations that Paul had for putting someone young in leadership. I have the same, the same issues. Why is Paul warning him that you need to address the doctrinal issues? Because as a young person, just think about it, a young man who's now stepping up into leadership, the first thing that he'd have to deal with would be the pride. Uh, man, I've been chosen from the body to step up and be the leader, and I'm going to do things differently than the other guy did. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, Paul did all right, but we're going to grow this thing, right? You, you can just see it happening. I mean, it happened with me. I, in, in numerous cases where I finally got to step up and be leader, I'm going to do it my way, right? And that's, that's not Paul's way, and that's not what the apostle is saying to us. He's not saying step up and do it your way. He's saying you have had an elder who's been uh, over you for all this time, who's, who I have placed in leadership over you. I have built this church. I protected this church through the elders that I placed over it. And now some of you need to step up and own all of those truths and doctrines. Right? And regardless of how young you are, it's not your opportunity to stand up and shine. Paul wasn't a shiner. Paul was in the background, considered himself to be the worst of all sinners. Paul was this guy who embraced weakness and said, you know, I, I embrace the fact that I'm weak because it makes God strong. Where I'm weak, he's strong. So I embrace weakness. I don't consider all that junk that I had that, that lifted me up and made me important. All of my religious pedigree 
I don't consider that to be something to held on to. Matter of fact, I consider it as rubbish compared to knowing God, and I want to continue to know God. So Paul's hesitant. I mean, he's, I know he is. I know what he feels, and I feel the same way of, of training up young leaders and saying, okay, go. You know, there's a fear for pride. But then the other thing is just uh, how easily influenced usually young men are. You know, as I can gather around me a group of guys that believe the way that I believe, then we'll just go that direction. And, and Paul's saying, look, here's what's happening where you are. I know it. There are people that are, that are coming out of the Jewish faith who are saying, oh, it needs to be Christ plus this. And there are people who, who are Gnostics saying, oh, we just need to sit around and think about things. Let's give us these special revelations that we have that nobody else has. It's our revelation. Have you ever thought about that? Uh, you know, I've, there's so many times, because we, Talithan have connections with Louisiana College, and, and I was the same way. I'm going to use myself as an example. When I got out of college, I thought I knew everything. And all those old men that had walked with God all their lives, I'm thinking, man, y'all just didn't get the new revelation. Let me just tell y'all the way it's supposed to be. We have some friends of ours who got kicked out of churches because they walked into these old churches with their seminary degrees and said, all right, now we're going to tell you how it's really supposed to be. I know y'all been doing this all your life, but look, this is what truth is. And they said, no, the truth is, is you're going somewhere else. You're not staying here. All right, just the gall. That's, that's young. That's, that, that's youth, you know, but Paul has that with them. And so he's saying, look, I want you to, to know that we, we need to, you need to stand against these things and you need to stand in the doctrines that we've given you. You need to stand in the teachings that we've given you. Not just the doctrines, but the teachings. The things that we've taught you about doing ministry, where you are, and we're going to teach you some more in this letter. Uh, you need to stand in those things and stand against those who would stand against uh, these teachings. I think we don't do enough to help young leaders teach consistently with God's call for the body. I, I think one of the biggest travesties in churches, and it's something we want to protect in the gathering place, uh, I can't even imagine, I can't even imagine us or me going on to plant another church and leaving this church to, to vote and find some pastor to come and be the pastor and preacher here. I can't imagine that. Now, God may say ha- that needs to happen at some point, and I trust that if he does, he's going to bring a person who's like-minded and will walk in these truths. But I can't imagine that. Here's what, I, here's, the, here's what I feel. But that's the way most churches function, right? Most of the churches most of you have been in, they, it, the pastor goes to another church, and then it's time to get a pulpit committee together. Uh, political, political usually, and heavily financially influential people in the body to go and vote and get another pastor. And anyone will do, as long as they'll do what we say, right? But, but that's the way we, we vote on pastors. That's what I did. I, that's the way I got voted into most of the churches I was a part of, because I had a little bit of charisma and, and uh, some success in the way of you know, people could look and see numbers increasing in the churches where I've been. I was qualified. Man, it's not. Paul's saying, like, I, I'm, I got to pass this on to somebody who understands what we're about and what this church is about, what this body's about. And before I die, this needs to be, we need to have this solid. So, uh, man, every pastor, I think, in, in a gathering place church needs to not go a new direction. New methodologies, new nuances, but same mission. So Paul's warning him, listen, uh, I'm, I'm 
urging you to stay so that you can charge certain persons who are, who are living by a different doctrine and different kinds of teaching, false teachers that have risen up among you. Then he says also stay so that you can charge certain persons not to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than stewardship from God. That is by faith. All right, now he's talking about how those things were being received. Don't, don't just stand and encourage or, or reprimand those false teachers for, not, uh, for the way that they're teaching, but also tell the people that are listening. Tell the people in the body, don't receive those things. And, and I would say, church, listen, please, whatever you do, don't give up on what God started here. Hold on to that. We need to hold on as a body, uh, as bodies, to the, to the teachings that God has given us and not allow someone to step into a position of authority and speak to the church in contradiction to those things. And don't just sit and receive them. What was problem, one of the problems that Paul is addressing here is, Timothy, you need to encourage those people not to receive those things, not to receive the false teaching and not to consider it. Encourage them to stand in the face of false teaching. And Paul told Titus the same kinds of things uh, regarding the false teachers that were in Crete. They were everywhere. And they, they are everywhere today. So it's a common problem in the churches of his day, and it's definitely a common problem for us. We need to know what we believe. And we need to know what the gathering place is called to teach in this community. So what is our call? It's the same call that Paul issued to Timothy. Listen to this, and then we'll go. I'll show you our call and how it's the exact same thing. It's a very simple call. It's not complicated. But here's what he says. The aim of our charge, verse 5, is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either that they are, what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Right? So, so he's saying, here's the aim of our charge. Paul says, I charge you to do these things, and here's the aim of it. Here's the aim of the ministry that you're going to have, Timothy, in this church. It's simple. It's love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So he compares basically Paul's motives versus the motives of false teachers in these, in these three verses. Paul's motive was love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. The false teachers, here's their motive. Vain discussions and a desire to be a teacher before they even had understanding. Okay, y'all feeling me on that? False teachers, it was just meaningless discussions about trivial things that did, had no application at all. And having a position of authority where I can speak about things that I don't even know anything about personally, but I can speak of it in a way that I can convince you. Right? Or it's just words. It's words coming out of their mouth. It's, it's preachers sounding like preachers, but no content. Right? Nothing in the heart. It's a whole different motive. And we definitely, I have been both of these people, unfortunately. 
and fortunately. Unfortunately, for the sake of those who had to hear me, fortunately because I, I see the difference. And what we need at the gathering place are, are believers that understand uh, this motive of love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. I think we have all the potential to be that. You know, very quickly, here's, here's what we're about as a church. When we, when we closed out our ministry together as the Gathering Place Tioga and moved into two different places, the elders together prayed and asked the Lord, God, what would be the distinctives? Now, now let me confess, first of all, three or four years before that, I already felt like God, I mean, this, this call to be out here on the west side of Alexandria was as old as when we first started the gathering place. And, and a couple of times I tried to make it happen, and timing just wasn't right. But we met over here. I remember meeting over here with one gentleman who was in our church, and we would come over here and meet in Aaron's building where the children met. And we'd sit down and we'd talk about, here's what a gathering place is. I said, this, and, and, I, and the more, I had about, I don't know, 50 different distinctives. <laughs> here's the 50 things that gathering places have to be. You know, pastor has to drink coffee. He, you know, the, the staff has to drink with him. You know, it was, it, it was crazy. Uh, that was pride. But before we divided into two congregations or multiplied into two congregations, the elders met and we prayed and asked the Lord, God, give us what are the distinctives? What are the things that, that we would say to a Timothy? Timothy, here's the six things. Well, it wasn't six at the time, but it ended up being six. What are the things that we are all about as a Gathering Place Church that God's called us to be that, that gives us a distinct personality as a church? It's our DNA. You know, we're all the same. Again, as far as doctrines are concerned, theology is concerned, there's very little difference between any of that. We're not worried about that as Gathering Place Church, but what we are concerned about is this call that God has for us in this community to be a certain kind of congregation. And, and we need to stay connected to those things. And so, so Paul gives Timothy some, and we, it's interesting how simple it is. It's one statement. It's love that issues from or comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. All right? So love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Now, the gathering place for us, there's six distinctives. Our mission is a distinctive. All right? And, and I believe, again, our mission exemplifies a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Our goal is not to fill a church with people. Our goal is actually to send people who want to be in churches that are full to a place where there's a full church. And what we're looking for are people who want to know God. Our mission is to lead people to know God, to know him by experience, to know him as Savior, to experience his salvation, and then to know him progressively as Lord. That their, their knowledge of God continues to increase as they begin to discover and understand the character of God. All right, that's... that's, that's our mission, our motivation, again, is not to make a name for ourselves. It's not all those other motivations we talked about. Our motivation is two things. It's the grace and the glory of God. Our, our motivation to lead people to know God is because we have personally encountered the grace of God. That we understand the grace of God in such a way that it stops us from judging people. 
that instead it, it makes us love people, accept people, that, that we experience the grace of God in such a way that it causes us to give grace to others. Everybody with me? All right, that's, I think, a pure motive and a good conscience and a sincere heart. Those things, that's, that comes from within us. Now, we're not saying act like people who get grace. We're not saying, well, you understand grace intellectually, so you need to give grace to other people. It's not going to happen. We're saying the motivation for our whole mission needs to be that we have experienced the grace of God. And we understand it because we see ourselves as pitiful sinners who are desperately in need of a Savior. And we see Jesus not only saving us, but we see him living a righteous life for us and becoming our righteousness. And we've we got to look at God and say, wow, how can I judge someone else when you give me this kind of grace? But not just his grace, also the glory of God. The, you know, grace is part of the glory of God, but God's the continual discovery of the character of God. You know, who is God? I found him to be my provider. I have found him to be my provider. Let me, let me phrase it a different way. Let me tell you what I'm not saying. I didn't read in the Bible that he was my provider. Now, it is in the Bible because the Bible is God's word, and it certainly talks about all the characteristics of God. I have found him to be my provider. He has provided for me. I have that experience in life. I came to places in my life where there was no way financially I could make it, and rather than taking matters into my own hand, which was my tendency to do, my desire to do, my flesh wanted to do that, I had enough faith in that moment to step out and say, God, I trust that you're telling me not to take control, and I'm going to put my faith in you. I've experienced him as my provider. So that, and what did that do? When God provided over and over and over again for us, we don't even worry about that anymore. You know why? Because we know God is our provider. It's who he is. So what does that do for us? It changes our hearts. That's, that motivates me. It motivates me to go and lead other people to have that same relationship with Christ. It motivates me to go and lead other people to discover God by experience. And so that's what we're about at the gathering place. It's a pure motive. It's not, we're not, there's nothing else, but we want you to know God. We want you to know him. And let your motivation be the more you know him, the more you're going to want to know him. All right? So that's our mission, our motivation, uh, our message. Our message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Very simply, it's Jesus Christ and him crucified, as Paul said. We're not trying to convince you to believe a whole lot of things. We're trying to convince you to to help you to understand this basic message that you are lost and separated from God because of your sin. And if you die in that condition, you'll spend eternity separated from God. And you're missing life by not having a relationship with God. But, But God sent Christ to die for you, to give you eternal life. And you... You can have eternal life by just receiving and believing in him. His blood will wash away your sins, and he will give you eternal life. And you can begin to know him by experiencing your life as he moves and works in you to change you and sanctify you. But that's it. It's the basic gospel. You cannot save yourselves. If you're depending on your good works, you're doomed. But God did something for you you couldn't do for yourself. Christ died for you so your sins could be forgiven. And you can be back in relationship with God and spend eternity with him in heaven and live life on the earth with the Holy Spirit in you, moving in you and working in you. The gospel, that's it. That's our message. Okay? No other message. When I speak on Sunday mornings, I need to do a better job of this, I'm sure. 
But it needs to always come back down to that, that you, it's about you having a relationship with Jesus Christ and walking in it, right? What a great life we have to be able to do that. Now, our methods, very few methods for us that are really non-negotiable. Things like we are called to be and agreeing to be uh, in association with the Southern Baptist Convention and Louisiana Baptist Convention. We walk with them. Uh, we are connected to them. We are Southern Baptist Church. We are because God's told us to be that for whatever reason. We don't have a whole lot of connection. Some of you might not even know that we're Southern Baptist Church, but we are. And, and I believe for one reason is God wants us to be able to have influence on other Baptist churches in this town. I can tell you the church that was given to us in Wardville would not have been given to us if we hadn't been a Southern Baptist church. So, I mean, God knows what he's doing. We don't question that. But it is a distinctive for us. There are some people that wanted to be connected to us. They wanted to be gathering place churches, but they don't want to be Southern Baptist. Well, you, why? Why be a gathering place church? Because that's, that's one of our distinctives, who we are. And so we want you to be a part of us if you want to be a gathering place church. So that's one of them. Another one is just the way that we do eldership. We are an elder-led congregation rather than a, than a, uh, a democratic uh, denomination that congregational in government where everybody votes why it's the you'll see as we go through the the study on eldership but because god designed it that way that's a biblical way you know the the way we most of us grew up in churches where we all vote is not a biblical p- model there there's no voting that goes on even there's something this is this is more godly than voting casting lots that's more godly than voting Okay, now they did that even after the Holy Spirit came. They would cast lots and trust the Holy Spirit to cause them to fall where they would. <laughs> right? That, right? Yeah. That's more godly. Than, than, now, does that mean the churches that do that are wrong? That's between them and God. <laughs> I'm talking about this church, and it's a distinctive, and so we're going to do that. We're going to be elder-led, which means we need to be very careful and very prayerful about who we put in leadership in this body, because they make the decisions, the majority of decisions for the body. Okay, so methods, there's some methods. Ministry, the, we, we do ministry. Ministry is grassroots of the gathering place. Some of you have been visiting, and, and you're going to get to go through new member orientation with us, and you're going to see some of the ways we function, but uh, you're going to realize that we don't have a bunch of ministries and say, hey, we need you to go fill a spot that you really don't want to fill. <laughs> what we want you to do is pray and ask God, God, what ministry... Are you birthing in my heart to do? Because we want to minister from a pure conscience. We, we want to we minister from a, from, a, a heart that, from a heart's desire, not from a mandate from somebody who's above us, right? So we want to minister that way. So our, ministry, our ministries come from within the body, and that's very different. We don't just go and seek out ministries. Does that mean we don't ever use ministries that other people develop? No. Our children's ministry right now, a lot of what we do, it comes from somebody else. And we, do, we use it in a way that fits our distinctives. All right, and then multiplication is the other thing. We talked about being a sending church, okay, being out in the community, being others-focused, uh, not huddling together. We're, we're not good at all this, but it is who we are. It is who the leaders who are in front of you will constantly be asking you to do. And again, Self-evaluation first. Are you buying in? Are you bought in? Are you committed to leading people in this way? We have people today that are in our body that have no idea about 
what it means to be a gathering place person. Are you here enough and engaging with them enough and in life group with them enough to be able to inform them about what we're about? Is this part of your life or is this like your secondary activity when you have time? Is it still about you or is it really about others? Because really, our ministry will not be what it needs to be if we're not loving from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. So, so listen, this is it. This is how the gathering place distinctives fit within this, this idea that Paul's giving. Very simple. We're working with God on our hearts by understanding and embracing his grace and his character, which will ultimately produce a good conscience, that is, knowledge by experience of the truth of Scripture, and a sincere faith that is real and not something that we built, faith that we built, real faith that comes from our experiences with God, and an increasingly selfless life, loving others more than we love ourselves. That's what these distinctives are designed to do. And it doesn't matter where you go after that as a gathering place church. Those are our distinctives. So Paul says this is it. This is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Remind the people this is what we're about. So consider yourself reminded this morning. This is what we're about. This is who we are. And not just remind them of who we are, but just stand in this and get strong in it. Get better at it in a way that you can communicate it with others in a way that that you can't lose it. So that when someone stands before you and speaks something that contradicts this, that you know it. This might be true for you, but it's not true for this body. Okay? God's called us uh, to have these distinctives. All right? And he says, so he says, we minister. Paul says the aim of our charge is this. He says, but there are others who do this. Vain discussions, a desire to be a teacher before they have understanding. And that's everything else. That's everything else. That's, that's, that's ministry that's built on, on buildings and programs and methodologies and isolated eisegesis, isolated passages where you don't take out of the Scripture what it means. Instead, you take a passage of Scripture that sounds the way you like it, and you make it fit what you want to do, and then you help other people believe it. That's what Paul is going to tell Timothy about in Second Timothy. There's a time will come when people will gather around them, teachers who say what their ears want to hear. They take these passages out of context and they put them all together in a little bundle and say, see, this is Scripture. Boom, 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 boom. All right? And that becomes what Paul's talking about here. It's vain discussions. It's a distraction. It's a desire to be a teacher before they really have understanding. Now, I am not saying you have to have a seminary degree in order to preach. Okay? I'm not saying that. Or teach. Or understand these things. Matter of fact, I'm saying just the opposite. Sometimes, uh, what we do is we just isolate these teachings and isolate uh, certain passages of Scripture and we hold on to those things. And that's, that's, that's stuff that's built on vain discussions and the desire to be a teacher who doesn't even understand what the Word says. We want to know God. That's our goal. And so as a church, my prayer today is that that's where we're going to start. As we begin this study, that we're going we're to buy in to this way of understanding. God, remind us, what, what are we about? Now, I'm going to ask you to, to bow your heads for just a minute. We're going we're gonna to close out with some more worship in just a second. But as we, 
as you think about today's message, I want you to consider something. I want you to ask yourself, why you're here? Why are you here? Some of you today might need to commit and say, everything I've heard, I'm about. And I've only been visiting a while, but I'm ready. I'm ready to make a commitment to this body. I want to be a part. I really believe God's called me to be a part. And let me just say to you, if that's you today, then I just want to ask you to realize this is a call from God. It's not going to always be easy. It's not going to always be, uh, you're not going to always agree with everything. But that's why Paul has to say to Timothy, one of the reasons he has to say to Timothy, Timothy, stay, stay. There's work for you to do in that body. So some of you need to seal that today and just say to God, God, I I feel called to this body and I'm I'm going to commit to it. And then others of us have been here a while and we're still, we keep catching ourselves in this place of sort of half committed to the cause here. And everything is more important than what we're doing here. Man, that is not the case for Timothy. And Paul knows it. Paul knows he has there somebody who's committed wholeheartedly to what Paul was committed to. And we have a mission for this body that God's called us to be about. And some of you need to recommit to that today and let it show up in your actions. I'm in this past week, I have re- recommitted in every way that I can. I've been asking God, God, what are you doing? What do I need to do? Father, you know, guide us, lead us, call out leaders in this body, and not just elders, but leaders. Everyone, every one of you who are here now needs to be a leader. We're about to go reach some people who know nothing about walking in this, this, in these truths. And we need, I need you. God wants to use you to help bring those people to a place of understanding. You need to know what we believe and stay with it and learn how to give it away. And so I'm going to ask you to recommit today to what God's calling us to do and be and to step up your commitment. Father, today, um, God, I know that this has been your call for us, this, this study. And I know you have a plan for us. So, Father, I just pray today, God, right now, that you would just seal this in our hearts as leaders, as members. And, Father, I do pray that for self-evaluation first, that every person, as they evaluate themselves, that your spirit would speak clearly, God, about ways we need to step up our our commitment to this cause and to your work here. And then, Father, I also pray that you would guide us as we think about and pray about leaders like elders and deacons that you would call to be a part of this body to lead out and I pray God for deep commitment to the things that you called us to be and do if I deal with us today in our hearts help it to show up in our lives if I just just uh, pray that your spirit would would lead us God not to the easy places but places where, where, God, we have to trust you. Um, Lord, like, like Timothy did, and we, and we have to give up our comfort zones and walk in what you've called us to be and do. 
Call us to that, God. Help us to step to, step up to that. Take us there, Father. We want to go there. We praise you for all that you've done to this to this point, God. And we we look forward to all you're going to do as we continue to to get to know you and and Lord communicate you to this to this world.